We brought you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. That's right, we couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. You can all come down and build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want and enjoy the watch parties with the finest beef. Hassle Cattle is now offering DNVR listeners a buy three, get one free on their flank steaks. What a deal. These delicious steaks are lean and very flavorful. They should be thinly sliced against the grain when carving an ideal choice if you're looking to marinate. These steaks are super affordable, $9.99 a piece, and now you can buy three and get one free. Use the code DNVRFLANK at checkout. That's D-N-V-R-F-L-A-N-K. At checkout for buy three, get one free. You can still use the DNVR10 code as well for 10% off your entire order. You can definitely take advantage of these deals. Hassel Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassel Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the beautiful U.S. of A. straight to your door, and they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassel Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip beef bacon Wagyu frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors original sweet and spicy, and their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeastern Burger Jam. Again, use that promo code DNVR for 10% off your entire order. DNVR10 for 10% off your entire order. Man, HasselCattle.com, that's H-A-S-S-E-L-L Cattle. Hit it up. Get the best Wagyu beef around. Welcome in, my people. Draft pod full effect summer justin jake double j with me the mystery of this show is will henry chisholm show up we ourselves don't know stay tuned to find out and yeah hassle cattle that's the real deal that's all i was craving these last two days finally skip lunch just stuck around at the bar until three when we open and had myself one because that's all my mind could think of Dude, I had a burger for my birthday at the bar last weekend, and it was delicious. No like, joke, my man. Every, yeah. I had to give everybody a bite, and they were all wanting more. And it's just one of those awkward ones where you have to be like, no, fuck off. Like, this is mine. Love that. Giving everyone a bite, kind of an underrated theme of this show, because there are rumblings of changes, my friend. In a tremendous transition. Holy well, God. I was ready to transition another way, and then you gave me the perfect way to transition. Um, I'll, uh, I'll allow sharing burgers uh, post-vaccine, by the way. We're not going to dwell on that. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we get burger, for, you gotta, for promoting the products. <laughs> you got to share with the people. Um but yeah, break break this down, um, Justin. You are you are a plugged in man. What are what are these changes being proposed? What would that mean for us? And uh, then yeah, I want to really get into kind of the the weeds of what this would have looked like the last couple of years and our our takes on how this could reshape kind of the college football world. So basically, they are bringing a proposal to the committee to expand the college football playoff to 12 teams. So I would obviously, you know, triple the amount of teams included. It would include the six highest ranked conference champions and the six remaining highest ranked teams as determined by the CFB selection committee. One important distinction that I thought was interesting. It's just the six highest ranked conference champions. It doesn't say, you know, all the P5 champions or anything like that. So 
you know, a team like Cincinnati, if they were ranked sixth, they would be in that conversation. Uh, really exciting stuff. Obviously, there's a there's a lot to get into, and we'll talk about the pros and cons, what it would look like. Um, but I should also clarify, this is only a proposal. So if it gets, you know, approved through here, the management committee would then need to approve it. And then it would go to a board of managers, which is a group of 11 university presidents and chancellors. If they approve it, then the conference um, commissioners and Notre Dame's athletic director, for some reason, will spend the summer figuring out how to implement it. So there are some, there's some hoops to jump through, but it sounds like there's a lot of positive momentum based on, you know, the people that are kind of plugged into this, all the, you know, Brett Murphy's, the, the McMurphy's, the big insiders of the world. It, it kind of seems like it's, it's heading that direction and it, it would definitely change the landscape of college football. And Justin, we're talking about this for the 2020, 2020, I mean, next season is this is all. Yeah, like we could, we could have it as soon as this year, which is kind of crazy that it's, it's moving this fast. I think realistically, it could be a situation where it's like next year by the time it we'll see like how long all these bells and whistles, mm-hmm. you know, take to get pushed through, but I, it could happen. I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. What's caught your attention most about this proposal, Jake? I thought the most interesting part was the fact that the Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick was one of four people that kind of came up with this proposal and in the well, end, he might be kind of screwing himself with this his own proposal because his team's the way it's working out basically is uh Notre Dame obviously is not in a conference. Yeah. So they would be exempt from the top four, which would be the first four teams to get a bye. So basically Notre Dame would have to play four win and or winner like die games basically to win the title every single time through this setting, which is just interesting that this athletic directors on the team that proposes it and uh, might be making it more tough for Notre Dame now. I got a conspiracy though, based on that. To me, this is just more proof that we are going to see some type of, you know, modification when it comes to what the current leagues are. There's going to be a shift in like, maybe it's Notre Dame going back to the big 10, but I could see a situation where we see like a, basically a redesign of what college football is like right now we got the FBS and the FCS. There could be, you know, like a third subdivision that comes out of this and, you know, those like 60 teams or 40 teams, however many it ends up being. And, you know, they kind of compete for this college football playoff. And then there's a whole nother, you know, group of college football teams that play for something else. I, that would disappoint me. And that's the one thing that kind of worries me about expansion is that, one, it's the death of the bowl system altogether. And I get that they're basically irrelevant anyways, but like it or not, bowls still are beneficial for teams that don't have an opportunity to compete for the title. Mm-hmm. And even in an expanded playoff, there's a whole lot of division one teams that wouldn't realistically have a shot to compete for the title. Um, but ultimately I think it like, I don't know, this is what everyone wants. Right. So I think they kind of have to do it. It is kind of shocking they're moving so fast, though. I mean, even the push to get to the plus one format where we're in right now, where it was just four teams, was met with some extreme resistance, like through the Mm -hmm. 2000s, early 2010s. And now we're jumping straight from four to 12, whereas I thought maybe six or eight would have been more realistic at this point. But we're just moving right ahead. Well, I I think it might be no surprise that there's heavy Notre Dame involvement in all of this Um, because 12 is exactly the kind of format that's going to gift 
a team that's not in a conference, but often ranked in the top 15, you know, I mean, they're going to have a high percentage to nail one of those at-larges every single year. And I wonder what NBC's involvement is in this, because that could potentially mean what a one fewer prime regular season matchup against the Michigan State, against the Michigan, a USC. But might that mean you now, while the top four are on a bye week, NBC is getting like some prime time top 10 matchup with the Irish every year to see if they can play their win into the Elite Eight or something like that. I don't know. Interesting to see that under this format, the Irish only would have made it three times since 2014. I would have assumed they basically would have like uh, batted an eight, you know an 800 average, um, and not just three appearances in what is that seven years? Um, That's a little surprising. And I I must say, I was for years against anything beyond the top four. I felt like the top four. I still think it's not going to change a whole lot in terms of there's still like four teams that are clear and cut above everyone else. But at least, you know, teams theoretically have a shot in this format. Yeah. um, And it should be mentioned, those top four on a down year, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Oklahomas, the Ohio States even when maybe Georgia beats you in the SEC championship, now Bama's going to have a chance, you know? Like, so, but (laughs) I do think it opens things up because in the last few years, I've hated how we've seen this. I mean, we really have seen like a, a third bull subdivision rise up already. I mean, the elites of the elites have separated themselves because the top kids want to be in a spot where they have a chance to play the play. And now the gap's not going to change at all, like no matter what we do. So this, you know, but does does a Matt Campbell with the strength of saying, hey, we can make the playoffs any year here at Iowa State. Does that strengthen his brand? I mean, CU would have made it in 2016, you know? Um, No, yeah. I mean, it's it's encouraging. And like under this, you know, proposed format, there would have been a group of five team, at least one group of five team in every single playoff, you know, in 2020, we would have had two with Cincinnati and coastal Carolina. So there's, there's a lot to like about it. I mean, CU, you think back to that 2016 year, there was some local, you know, hype and push, you know, if they win the PAC 12, would they get in the playoff? Mm -hmm. Probably they wouldn't have because the perception of the PAC 12 compared to the big 10 and the SEC and even the big 12, it's just not there at the moment. They had to beat Washington in that scenario who did get in, but they, they would have needed help from a couple. You would have needed some losses too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, at least in this format, like they have a shot, you know, that, that makes local college football on a local level, a hell of a lot more intriguing because let's face it, everyone wants a chance to play for the title. Like, you know, even if realistically you're probably not going to win, at least you have a shot. And I think it just makes the playoff more interesting in general, which it, it's really yes. desperately needed the past few years. And just looking at this format and how it's all like kind of proposed at the moment, I'm really excited about that. Like first four games, I guess, where you get the mm-hmm. top four seeds out and you just kind of match up these teams that are still amongst the best in the country. Maybe they're not actually title contenders, but still, I think you're going to get some interesting matchups. I mean, uh, just looking at last year, you would have gotten seems coastal Carolina and Notre Dame. 
which okay. would have been fun. Texas A&M, Indiana, uh, Florida, Iowa State, and Cincinnati, Georgia. So, yeah, that Florida, Iowa State game would have been really interesting. And I mean, yeah. he did get Cincinnati, Georgia, and that was an yep. extraordinary game. Um, so, you know, in some ways, it doesn't change some of the Bulls, but now winning that matter has more. an even yeah. greater implication, which I enjoy that. So, yeah, I'm really optimistic by what this could bring. And of course, from our perspective, uh, you know, uh, draft perspective, this is great because it's been a killer the last few years. We get that bonus primetime matchup for a lot of these, you know, top guys. But if they're not in the playoffs, we're seeing a lot of holdouts and rightfully so. We've seen guys like Chase Winovich or Jake Butt really get hurt by playing in their bowl game. Um, and I mean, we're still going to have those kind of incidents and it's going to break our heart, but at least now we're going to feel like, well, it was done for the playoffs and it might've mattered. There might've been more of a meaning. And I really like what you touched on in your very first point, Justin, is that it's not, I like that the auto bids are the sixth highest ranked conference winners. There's not a shoe in for you know, the power five conference winners, for example, the PAC 12 last year in an extremely odd season, of course, especially for the schools out West PAC 12 would have been left out of the 12 team playoff. Coastal would have been, um, the sixth conference winner. And that would have had USC out of the mix. And I love that you could have that potentially. I really, really do. And I love that finally we could have a format where like when UCF went undefeated and they played Auburn in the in the bowl game, that's going to matter and that's going to lead to something. So, man, I think this is really encouraging. Um, I also, since you know we have some crossover here, I do think this might empower college coaches to stay in the college game even more than it's already empowered them to do. So. Well, you already said why, it. Why do like, you why do you think that? Jake, go ahead just what he said about like guys like the Matt Campbell's, like the guys that are playing at these kind of um, mid tierish programs that are obviously coaching above uh, the talent that they're bringing in and really just elevating the teams with their ability to recruit and just develop and coach overall. Um, you know, I'm struggling to name other guys off the top of my head, but it'd be, it also create a lot of opportunities. I think too. Uh, think about Luke fickle. I mean, if he has another big year with Desmond Ritter and the uh, Cincinnati in general this year, and he kind of maybe wins a game or two in the playoffs in this new format, uh, he becomes instantly a huge name, not only just for top tier college jobs, but potentially NFL. Well, and Justin, I think like, I mean, Matt Campbell's a great example, but even like Jimbo or um, Brian Kelly, guys who maybe in the old format after a while get fed up with the fact that, look, there's just no winning the SEC against Saban, or there's just no breaking into the top four at Notre Dame with like Oklahoma, Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson, like so um, solid in. But now you already have the bigger contract, you already have the more, more control, and now you have more availability to actually win. Go further. Sense, yeah. I think it's going to improve your your recruiting abilities. Um, I think this could really open a lot of things up and um, make college football quite interesting 
maybe restore some of the balance we had uh, closer to the BCS, where there was still kind of a, you know, a balance of a, a, a bit of the haves and the have nots, but it didn't feel as out of nowhere. And you could still have like BC randomly be ranked like fifth in the country for a stretch or stuff like that, you know, and so, yeah, I'd be really comforted if if that came back a little more, if we had a few more Cinderella stories in the college football game, because we unfortunately have got away from that a bit too much the last couple of years with this playoff form. When we see the, the first top four team get upset in that second round game, that's going to be what it's all about at that Dude. point. I mean, when you see yeah. Cincinnati... I don't know, take it to LSU or Ohio State potentially even in one of those games. That would just would be, I mean, that's that's why we need to do this. To so throw a little bit of numbers out, I mean, we've had seven years of this. 20 of the 28 all-time playoff spots have gone to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Nine of 14 national championship game slots have gone to Alabama or Clemson. And then five of seven titles have been won by Alabama or Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, let's try to make that road, that path a little harder for those two. And, you know, is it actually going to get harder, though? Because I think in an expanded playoff, you have to eliminate conference championship games. And I'd argue the SEC championship game is as hard as any playoff matchup you're going to have to get through. But do you for the auto bid? Yeah, I think you just give it to your conference champion. Like the regular I've season. always thought it was dumb that they have it anyways, because it it doesn't make the season obsolete because you have to, you know, get, earn the opportunity to get there. But like, if you go undefeated, shouldn't you just be the SEC champion anyways? Why do you have to play another game to be like, no, I am the champion. I do like the championship when like Georgia or Florida haven't played BAM in the regular season. And now you get, I mean, they're, they're enticing games. I just think if you're lo- looking at it from the conference's perspective, Less so in the SEC because you have it ranked, but I, I talked about this on the Rams pod. If you're the Mountain West in an expanded playoff, you get rid of that conference championship game. You get rid of divisions, yep. at least at the at the bare minimum, get rid of divisions and put your best two teams in, you know, a high profile matchup. Give yourself the best opportunity to end up with somebody, you know, in that 12 team format. I don't it's gonna spark change one way or another. I mean, maybe you keep then, the championship game and you just get rid of divisions, so you have your best two teams out of the conference. Period. the The thing with the championship game is it's so just like year to year, just how it actually benefits and takes away from a team season. I mean, what was it, twenty seventeen, where Bama didn't have to play in the national or in the uh, SEC right. championship game, right. but lost only the one game. I think it was to Georgia or LSU, whoever it was, yep. and they basically just got a bye week before the playoff because they were already like de facto playoff team just based on their schedule and only having the one loss. So mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a little give and take, I guess. Yeah. They won the championship that year though. So it's tough That's to true. argue against it. That was the two uh, coming in at half yep. game. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's going to be really interesting what happens with divisions and what have you. Um, I, I wouldn't weaken the regular season or the pass to the playoffs, but yeah, you're probably right. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, because again, I mean, let's face it. These decisions are made by college football's power brokers, college football's power brokers are these programs that have dominated for millions of years, made money hand over fist. And yeah, they're the power brokers. Uh, sorry guys. This is, that's the world. Um, well, and on, at some point it's, it's too many games played. You're asked, 
if yeah, you know for sure. there were arguments against it with the current playoff format if you're then you know making them play two or three more games on top of that you know you're almost looking at like a 16 game season and right but i will say a, like a, a, sur- a surging from last year notre dame in the five seed a&m in the six seed florida in the seven seed or georgia in the ninth seed Catch them at the wrong time. We've seen Alabama and Clemson have some close calls or even some losses against um, those programs in recent years. So I totally think all of a sudden that national semi, you might have some better matchups than like the sacrificial land that have been the Washington's, Notre Dame's or Oklahoma's in some in some cases this the last few years here. I mean, the counter is that we still might end up with some of those anyways. It's it's kind of like the March Madness argument. You will. Everyone loves Cinderella stories until we end up with the Sweet 16 where it's a 15 seed losing by 35 to Kansas. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we get those in bowls all the time. We get surprise yeah, surprise games, and then, yeah, you get end to blowouts that are only fun for that one team's fan base and no one else. It's always going to happen. I mean, there's, at least in theory, if you're one of these top 12 teams, all of those games are going to matter. So, you know, hopefully we, the New Year's Six type games, all of those are going to matter. So that that's a win. You know what I mean? Because right now it's it's kind of a toss up. Like you get some of them and then you end up with situations, like you said, where it's Florida who can't play for the championship game. And so their whole team just walks away and it's an absolutely horrific product. Yeah, and if we have said goodbye to that, here, here, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm elated. That in itself would be a win. Absolutely, absolutely. I also do kind of just wonder. I mean, we already argue enough about the four, five, and six spot. I mean, we're just going to open up debate now to the ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen slot. I mean, we're just going to oh, yeah. keep on moving down. Also, an interesting note: BYU, even after last year having the season they had, would not have made the the playoffs, which is, uh, you know, a lot of talk about their schedule last year, and it still doesn't even pay off for them under this format. Coastal, they would probably have to join a conference, to be honest, because they're not going to get the Notre Dame treatment. Yeah, and it, I do wonder now how much have we just incentivized G five teams to weaken their schedules yeah. to try and run the table. Totally, mm-hmm. you're better off going twelve and zero than you are eleven and one, and now I got to compete, you know, with a two-loss Pac-12 champion or a two-loss SEC team. You know, like all of a sudden my at-large spot might be more. It's the politics of how this unfolds, and you know, it'll be the other shoe to drop is going to be really interesting. The counter is you'll still always need big wins. Because, I mean, it's like the UCF situation. They ran the table with a pretty mediocre schedule. And then the playoff committee is like, we didn't play a hard, hard enough you know, schedule. That would be different in the 12 in the team. But at some, you're always going to need to boost your perception a little bit. So it'd be weird to see how they like tap dance around it. Are you better just getting slaughtered by like an Alabama yeah. than you are for playing like right. a top 20 team and losing? But I think this is why they're kind of going with this format, though, right? Why it's only the top six conference champions and it's not power five or whatever. So, so, I don't know, a team like Coastal or UCF, whoever, can still run the table against a weak schedule um, and still, I mean, just finish top 12 and you're going to get a shot. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll see if it's deserved in time. I mean, 
I don't know, just going back in time, it'd be nice to see that 2011, 2012, whatever that Kellen Moore Boise State team yep. that lost to Kaepernick and the Wolfpack Nevada, on the field yeah. goal. Yeah. Yep. So those are some shootouts, man. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, this will create, it'll create a whole new landscape. Logistically, very much harder job for the committee now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to watch everything, man. The, yeah, you you better yeah. be watching the West Coast games because, and that's well, what you worry about. Totally. When it's picked it's, by humans, It's all, there's always going to be error and ego not even and judgment. West Coast, though, we're, I mean, we're bringing G5 into this. Mm-hmm. Like a Tuesday night matching game might have a dramatic right. impact right. in the playoff now. Yeah, they'll actually have to do their jobs. It's honestly too much for a human committee of that size, dude. You need a bigger yeah, one. Bring to back be the able computers. To, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, March Madness, a lot of the bracket stuff, they are leaning, you know, officially metrics. or unofficially, they're leaning on metrics for sure. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Lots to unfold still. All right, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, nearly limitless ways to get on on all of the action, and they're our presenting sponsor. My friends have been using DraftKings, my family's been using DraftKings, everyone is making it rain. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. All you gotta do, Pick any basketball team that's still in contention, bet $1, and if they win, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also has great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. They're safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. If they do, you get $100 in free credits. That's what the promo code DNVR when you sign up for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Wagers paid out in site credits. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Love DraftKings. Had to they sneak that one in there the real quick. Yeah. They're the best. Um... That's it. Yeah. Love it. All right, guys. Well, after all that, now it's time for us to predict what the field's going to look like. Um, We're going to start from our 12 seed, I suppose, and then work our way up. Um, And yeah, get into our favorite prospects and uh tough decisions and what have you it's a you know it's a summer pot so so we'll just uh hit what we want to hit and um not dwell on this more than we need to so that's supposed to be fun justin start us off with your uh your 12th seed here i had a really yeah um this one i kind of went back and forth because i i wanted to include you know some just G5 teams because I'm like, you know, hoping that in this format they would make it. Mm-hmm. So number 12, uh, kind of going off of, you know, their, their hot season. I've got numbers. I got Cincinnati. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think they have the potential to be ranked higher, especially if they end up winning their conference championship. But, I, I you know, I'm just kind of trying to be a little bit realistic. So I've got the Bearcats in at number 12. And 
I'm really hyped on Desmond Ritter. I mean, it's an opportunity for him to come back and, you know, kind of prove he's the guy. He had a terrific season last year, really efficient, great touchdown to turnover numbers, exactly what you want to see. This is his year, though. You know, it's kind of that opportunity. There's a couple of those guys, you know, in the G5 this year, uh, you know, Carson Strong at Nevada, uh, you know, Malik Willis at, at Liberty. There's a lot of these guys where we're kind of, we're hyped yeah. on them, but yeah. you got to go out and prove it. Oh, man, I'm so torn here, Jake. Uh, why don't you take this one? Sure. So uh, just for having fun, I threw UCF in. Uh, nice. Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback, coming back after taking a year off. And a program that's just really shown that they have the ability to kind of hover around this top 15 range uh, and win their conference, all while, you know, kind of remaining close to perfect or perfect throughout. Um, and just why not? I mean, they, they deserved a shot a few years ago. Um, you know, the whole national champion BS or whatever was annoying to me, but I'd love to see them actually get a real shot in the tournament here. I'm going to go Utah. Um, I, I just feel kind of like a fraud for like making, um, you know, Malik Willis and one of my, uh, like my Heisman kind of dark horse and top ranked quarterback, but not having Liberty in that field. I just think they've got too much of an uphill battle. I do think the Pac-12 sneaks it in. Utah's kind of my dark horse. Um, but yeah, I, I just think they're going to be really solid in the trenches. They're going to figure out um, that backfield. And uh, I love their tight end, Brant Cuthie. I've been talking Hank's ear off about this kid uh, for two years, and I think he could be really exciting in a full season. Um, so yeah, that's who I'm going with at 13. At 12. At 12, yes. Um, Jake, 11, who are you going with? Um, I'm going to go with an SEC at large here because we know it's just going to happen and there's probably going to be multiple of them. Um, so this obviously takes Alabama out of the picture, uh, potentially Georgia too. I'm going to say a team like Texas A&M. I mean, I've kind of hyped them up already a little bit during the offseason here. Um, I could definitely see them finishing higher than 11th when it's all said and done. But especially in this playoff format, this is a playoff team. And I think they have the potential to, you know, maybe win a game or two also. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. Yeah. I, uh, I don't disagree at all. J Mike, who you got? I've got Iowa at number 11. Um, Again, another team who I think is probably, you know, has potential to be better than that, but it's just so hard to, to run through that big 10 schedule and not end up with a couple of blemishes. I do think, you know, Ohio State's the the clear-cut favorite. But, you know, Iowa, I think if you wanted to back somebody that, you know, quietly could put together a really nice, you know, 10-2, and 11-1 and one type season, they, they very much could be in that conversation. I'm with you. I like that a lot. I am going to kind of follow your lead. Um, and this is part of what I really like about this format is I think it could really reward the Iowas, the Utahs, the Wisconsin, who is my 11th ranked team, those teams that have really made developing those three-star recruits into NFL talents. They're bred and butter. No one does it better on the offensive line than Wisconsin. And I think Logan Brown could really turn into a stud. I also like their quarterback situation better than I have in uh, many, many years. 
Um, so I'm going Wisconsin. I think they're going to have some some sneaky, sneaky uh, staying power this season and, and really make some noise. So, yeah, that's who I'm going to go with. And uh, Yeah, Mertz at quarterback, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Graham Mertz. And who got Cohen? Where did he end um, up? It's just oh God. Let me check it real quick. quick. I actually have it. Wisconsin uh, quarterback coach John Budmeyer now the OC at Colorado State. So I'm interested to see, you know, what that offense looks like. Wisconsin, you know, kind of very run heavy like Adazio has been at Boston College. But, you know, he's talked about wanting to open up the, the vertical game a little bit. So I'm just curious to see how that plays out. All right, that's a stall. Jake, what you Jack find? Cohen is now playing for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, in a good spot for sure. Um all right. Because you got to attend, right? Me? I mean. <sighs> Who's going? I'm going ISU. Um, Iowa okay. State. It's really the, the the middle lands getting a lot of love here. But uh, Brock Purdy, Matt Campbell, um, we all love, uh, you know, that backfield's really intriguing, guys. So I, I think they can make some noise. Shoot, they could even win the Big 12. Um, we talked about that in that episode about dark long horses and stuff. Uh, but yeah, give me the cyclones here. I love that. I've got I Iowa State in as well, just a little bit higher. At 10, I've got North Carolina. Um, obviously Sam Howell returning, really intriguing there. I keep I'm just gonna say it about every team. Like they could end up higher. I just, you know, these are the 12 teams. We'll see if, like how they end up shape, shaping out ranking wise. But yeah. You know, I think with Clemson being so well-respected, you know, whoever ends up being the runner-up would have a really strong chance of mm. being, you know, in the top 12 when it's all said and done. So it just feels like there's bound to be two ACC teams, if not potentially even three, depending on what happens with the G5s and Notre Dame and all that. But, yeah, I got North Carolina. I went a little back and forth on this one. I'm going to go with another at-large team. I was between Miami and Indiana. I think I'm going to go Indiana, though. Two quarterbacks coming off of ACL tears that really have the potential to kind of carry their team. Um, I think both are absolutely in play uh, for finishing this high. I just think Indiana's got a little bit more uh, going for them. You got Fry Frogel coming back. I really like what Allen was doing as a coach last year. Um and I just think that they would have a better chance in the Big Ten than Miami would in the ACC, I think, than coming out in this range. I wanted to put them in so bad, but I gave Iowa the spot where I originally had Indiana. I, I don't blame you. Yeah, I considered all of those, honestly. Um, and I I ended up going SEC heavy, which I kind of hate. But at nine, I've got Florida. Um Torn, torn, because so much is changing there. But I, I'm a believer, man, of what Mullen's building there. They always, you know, I mean, they're just they just reload. Yeah, they just reload. So I think offense they're going to be good. And actually, I mean, um, is it Emory Jones, a uh, really intriguing quarterback? But it's Kamir Elam's the guy who's got my attention more. I mean, obviously there are studs all over that. Um, that defense, but the their star corner um, is who's got my attention 
the most and and why I'm going in this direction. I think the offense is going to get coached up and have enough at quarterback and that defense is always going to be stacked. So, uh, yeah. And you're on the easier half of the sec, which, you know, is going to favor you in in the regular season. Right. Exactly. Um, so I've really, I've just given out one conference winner so far and that was you time. The rest have been at larges in, uh, Iowa state, Wisconsin and, uh, Florida. So me too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess Cincinnati, but, ranking well and that's the other question is you know the what was the committee's longest standing motto was conference champions you know get the edge as justin was saying obviously next year probably we'll still have a more regular conference champion format but how are we going to start valuing that differently in weaker conferences and what have you so um yeah that that's kind of reflected here and where do they it's going to be interesting to see where the you know, the subjectiveness of all this and how it plays into, because just because, you know, you're guaranteed a spot as one of the six highest ranked conference champions, that doesn't necessarily mean that you would be ranked in this playoff format, like above an at-large bid, I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, based on what I read. So I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if a situation where it's like the SEC runner up is fifth, but the, you know, American conference winner because of the playoff rankings is still, you know, they're in it but they're like the 11th or 12th spot just because, you know, they're not going to get the respect either way. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'm just bitter as a G5 guy. too. <laughs> well, we'll see. G5 could sneak it in. You never know. Um, or, you know, even the Mountain West could sneak one in here. Who do you have? We are down to our ninth. Ninth. And nine. Mm-hmm. Jake, who you got? I put Cincinnati here. Um, we've already mentioned them. This is just a team that's really primed to make an impact. I think they're virtually a lock to win that conference. I want to say, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you do have, did I, did I just do UCF and Cincinnati winning the same conference? Did I mess this up? I'll, mm. I'll put, make one of them an at-large in or whatever. You did. Um, it, it could be, it could be. Well then I'll switch it. I'll make UCF the at-large and I'll make Cincinnati the conference champion. Um, but yeah. I love that. If you got, you got, uh, Team that was the runner-up in a G5 and still make it, that would be epic. Would you like that, though? Then the American, man, you'd really be hearing it from the American justice. They're superior. I mean, whether Mm. whether it's actually a better conference in terms of, you know, the quality of talent coming out, perception plays in their favor right now. Yeah. And they just, they do a better job of branding themselves. Like, I mocked them so much when they were doing the whole, we're the Power Six conference. But at this point, like, the American probably it. gets as much respect, if not more, than the Pac-12. Well, the Big 12 even at times, too. I mean, shoot, you're not wrong. I, Big 12, I would not like be upset if revolution you went to the American. Though. I'll just say that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everyone's playing Big 12 football now. Right, yeah. Like the NFL has become Big 12 football. And yet we <laughs> talk shit for years. Um, unreal, man. Okay, I like that. I I like that you went with the double AAC. I, I could see that. I, I mean, Justin just made the the like politics case for you. Jim, like, who you got here? I've got Washington. Um, I mm. think they're I think they're being undervalued in the Pac-12 a little bit, and I think they're ultimately going to win the conference. I don't see two Pac-12 teams getting in this year. I, maybe like a Utah, I could see because they're just they're going to do well, and it's really hard to beat them. So even if they didn't win the conference if they finished you know 10 and 2 11 and 1 or something like that could probably sneak in as the runner-up but 
I think uh, I think Washington and I got I wrote down the pronunciation, but I would still butcher it. But I love Tupolo Futue, their linebacker. He had like seven or eight sacks last year. Oh. Really productive guy. And I just think they're well coached. Obviously, it's a, a state of transition for Washington, so we'll kind of see what happens there. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think they're being undervalued. I mean, it'll be interesting. So much turnover. I mean, I you know, I'm a Peterson stand through and through. And I, I have a hard time believing someone can replicate that uh, with that. That's, and that's certainly fair. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm in wait and see mode there, but uh could very Z- well be Oregon too. Yep. Yep. ZTF though, he's a beast, man. I mean, and those eight sacks came in like a shortened four-game Pac-12 schedule. So absolute nutty numbers. He had an ACL injury during the offseason. So it'll be interesting to monitor how he gets back. I didn't know that. That's a bummer. Yeah. No, it sucks. This has really been a terrible offseason for uh for like ACLs. Yeah. Pickens. Yep. We've had a few um that have absolutely sucked. <coughs> and I'm gonna take Cincy. So there's not much to say. Um really interested to see how Fickle's defense bounces back after losing tons of NFL talent. But I actually think that's gonna be the strength of their team. And then Ritter, absolutely, who I've got my eye on from a draft. I'm all in on Cincinnati this year. I'm like going to be a basically bandwagon type fan just because I think if there's a G5 team that could really swing up and punch up because that Georgia game was competitive before the mm-hmm. ejection. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they're they're the group that could go on and and really spoil something for an, an SEC team or a Big Ten team. And you got a quarterback. They just got to modernize yeah. that attack. Like. I, they were a little too mean. Get a little bit Nevada in them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Um, let's. It was uh, so hard for me not to put Nevada in. I love them so much. I don't even know if they're going to win the Mountain West because Boise State is so good. Maybe Boise makes the, the playoff this year. But I just love Carson Strong. I mean, an undefeated Mountain West team is firmly in this mix with the two ACC oh, yeah. Yeah. teams that Jake has with my Pac-12 champion, with any of our Pac-12 champions. Um, shoot, even with Cincy, you know? Like, let's not forget Boise's Boise, man. That That is, as far as G5 teams go, that's They're the standard broker. Um, oh, yeah. More so than Cincy. And so that won't be lost on anyone. That's going to be really fun to see. Who do They've got have? the brand prestige, you know, that stuff matters, That's you know, sure. like we talked about the politics, the who would people turn in, tune in, you know, Boise's been playing primetime games against big programs on ESPN for 15 years now, like they're just a, they are a household college football name. And they've shown up and given us some of the best like bowl upsets we've had in a minute, man. So like that matters. Um, Great. But, so if you're, if you're turning your back on your Mountain West brethren, and excluding Nevada, who do you have next, Justin? It would be oh for the, the next. I got Notre Dame at eight. Um, yeah, same as they're boring, and I don't really want to include them. But I just don't really see a format where they don't make it, assuming that they're competitive once again. It's one of those where it's. I think they're a firm. You know, there's a firm gap between Notre Dame and some of those you know top four to six teams, but. They, they've got some talent in place. They're well coached. And again, you know, they're the brand recognition is always going to play in their favor. So they play Florida State, Wisconsin, Cincy, 
which is a huge game in this. And it's particularly huge for um for the double AAC spot that you're um proposing, Jake. They also have Virginia mm-hmm. Tech, USC, UNC. I mean, USC and UNC are teams I considered for this. And Cincy and Wisconsin, I've got in my top 12. Um, they play an impressive schedule. Look, man, Navy, Virginia, they usually do. Tech, Stanford. They absolutely do. Um, always do. In fact, and you don't even have the Michigan teams. Usually you'd have the Michigan yeah. Michigan State sprinkled in there. So, yeah, if they well, run the table, even one loss, I think they're in. Yeah, that's what Maybe. you know. They're just going to get the benefit of the doubt. I think even a two-loss Notre Dame team is probably at least in the conversation for that twelve eleven spot. Just based on that, that's a lot of top twenty-five teams. Like I, I'm not that high on USC, but they're going to be competitive. That's a good game. You're playing Cincinnati. It's almost like such a tough schedule that they probably regret it a little bit. But these all get predetermined, you know, like eight ten years in advance. But I mean, to their credit, they step up to the plate and they take on these big games. I mean, you know, we already talked about how it'd be so easy for teams like Liberty or another G5 team to just kind of tuck their tail between their legs and really just make their schedule as easy as possible to try and finish as high as possible. But Notre Dame is, uh, they know who they are and they're not concerned with uh, taking the easy way out, which I respect. My number eight team, I got USC, uh, my second conference champion. I mean, the Pac-12 is really kind of a toss up. Um, if I had to guess, so like I it, we got go three different USC. champions between the three of us. Yeah, that makes sense. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Jake. No, I'm done. I mean, I'm that's eight for me. I can't wait to see that offense, man. Brew McCoy, especially the like Texas transfer. That dude has some insane size. Um, yeah, and I should have mentioned since he was my second, and as I said, I'm riding with Justin with Notre Dame in that spot. Um, that schedule is going to be really hard though. Uh, but given that I, I'm going to love seeing what Kyle Hamilton, um, you know, following in line after Drew Tranquil, JOK, what he can do going against guys like Ritter, Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis in the season. That's going to mm-hmm. be really fun, man. That's going to be a big test for a versatile defender like that. I say, even though we're just at the um, eight mark, Let's take a quick break and then we'll close this out, um, J. Mike, with our our final predictions for if the if the playoffs uh, were expanded to twelve. Sounds good. Let's shout out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have thanked us. They've reached out and let us know how great their experience was and how rewarding it's been um, for them to go through that experience. Obviously, our members love supporting our partners. It's a way of forming us. And there's nothing more rewarding for us than hearing that from our listeners. So if you do, please tell us if you made the switch. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental is in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're Colorado sports fans just like us. Allie had her wisdom teeth removed there. It was obviously a rough recovery. If you've ever had your wisdom teeth removed, it sucks. But thanks to our friends over at GMDG to lean on. It was a way smoother experience. I wish I would have gotten mine removed there. Uh, They checked up on Allie every couple of days, made sure she was getting the meds she needed. Lindsay, our sales director, also had her wisdom teeth removed there. She said it was literally the best dentist experience of her life. Imagine that, getting your wisdom teeth removed and coming away that happy about it. They send you a personal card to your home after becoming a new patient. 
And uh, after Lindsay's surgery, the doctor personally called her to check up on her every couple of days. Schedule your cleaning and x-ray and exam and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Those are the Rolls Royces of toothbrushes. Tweet us when you go there, tag us and let us know. Show the community that you support our biggest supporters. Remember, get a cleaning, x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush today. Honestly, it's worth it just for the toothbrush, let alone the amazing coverage that you're gonna receive. Also wanna shout out our friends over at Manscaped. Um, they have the new lawnmower 4.0. This is an important PSA, so you gotta really listen to me. This is your public service announcement that you've been waiting for. The engineering team has confirmed they successfully created the lawn the lawnmower 4.0. Getting so excited, I'm getting tongue-tied. It's now available for purchase. Let's you heard get it. 4.0 baby. Let's baby. get it. Let's get it. Love that. Just in time for some. Nothing better. Exactly. Like you gotta keep things trim, you gotta keep things cool. And this trimmer, which only released moments ago, is it's gonna change your life. I mean, over two million men worldwide trust Manscaped, but this exclusive offer is for you. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. They use a ceramic blade, it's skin safe technology, so it's good. Basically, you could put it all over. You're not going to cut yourself. No uh, no issues on your softer areas. They've worked with Elon Musk's engineer to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. It has a multifunction on and off switch, a light to use, a 400K LED light, I should clarify. Don't want to undersell it. This bad boy is sweet. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code DNVR at manscaped.com. Trust me. Your balls will thank you. That's great stuff. Um, we're trimming down our list to recap because I do think we're at the sixth-ranked team. Um, my wait, wait, wait. No, we're at a uh, we're at seven. I'm at seven. Yeah. Okay. I have given you twelve through seven. Okay. Who's your I've seven? Given, Just to to recap. I've given you Utah, Wisconsin, Iowa State, Florida. Cincy, Notre Dame. So okay. Notre Dame was my second. Jake, who have you given us so far? I have given you number 12, uh, UCF. I have given 11, Texas A&M, 10, Indiana, 9, Cincinnati, 8, USC. And then at 7, I've got North Carolina as an at-large. Um, no. Just, I think, a huge year for them. I've talked at length about them, and I think that Sam Howell's got the ability to really kind of make this leap and carry this team. Miami-North Carolina game is going to be a big one. That, that might actually be the at-large decider for who gets that second spot in the ACC. Mm -hmm. um, but I should say I don't have a second spot in the ACC. So far, I have given you Cincinnati at 12, 11 Iowa, 10 North Carolina, 9 Washington, 8 Notre Dame, and at 7... I have Iowa State. Um, I just I think they're going to be really successful. Ultimately, I think they have a pretty good chance of, if not running the table, going like 11 and 1, 10 and 2. They're well coached. They got the quarterback coming back. They've got a great backfield, um, decent receiving core as well. So I just think with Brock, Bur uh, Brock Purdy and Xavier Hutchinson both coming back, he's a, a nice little underrated slot receiving prospect, by the way. Hutchinson, I, I didn't watch him all that much last year, but just kind of watching some of these games, he's not you know, like the most explosive athlete in the world or anything like that. But 
makes great contested catches, runs great routes. Uh, really like his game. But that's that's who I've got at seven, Iowa State. <coughs> Sweet. I already gave you mine, so why don't I start off with uh, my sixth team? And it's the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, that Bulldogs is just stacked. I am... Don't know if they'll figure out the quarterback and the George Pickens injury is big. They've also had a lot of turnover on that offensive line, but man, that pair of defensive tackles they have, uh, the corners they have. I mean, they just added a stud from Clemson through the transfer portal. And I'm very, very high on Adam Anderson, their edge rusher from Rome, Georgia, who I've talked about several times on this show before. So I won't go too far. Be interesting to see them battle it out in the east with Florida, but I think they sneak it out and uh, manage to just have one loss uh, in the regular season. I've got Georgia as well, so not not that exciting, but a lot of the same reasoning. Quarterback is obviously a big question mark, but I think the talent that they have defensively. What are what are your guys' thoughts on Zamir White? Are we are we pro Zamir White? I I love Absolutely. the way he runs. I mean, he's so it's so hard. He's he's shifty, really great with those little cutbacks. He's just a fun guy to watch. He's yeah, dope, man. He's awesome. James Cook too. Dalvin Cook's little brother is also on that team, and he flashed some real big playability last year, just like his older brother. So it'll be exciting to see if that continues. I mean, the run game is going to be fire. It has been under Kirby. It's, Always. Can you be multidimensional on offense to win those super tough matchups against the top tier SEC teams? That's uh Can that's you put the, 40 on the board? I mean, even yeah. like, you know, a team like AM is going to put up big points. Florida is going to put up big points. Oh, Bama, yeah. and you obviously know what you got there. And even some of these other teams, you know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss and man, the lane yeah. train probably going to score a little bit. Like, Heck yeah. So who do you have ranked six then, Jake? I've got Notre Dame at six. Um, we're going to get into a lot of the same teams. I might as well just throw yeah, it out. I've got Georgia at five, two. So yeah. they're, I've got Georgia as my highest ranked uh, at-large team. It's fair. I had a real debate with them in Texas A&M. Uh, real debate. Is that who you have next, Justin? That's why I have five, yeah, yeah. Texas A&M. Um, I just think with the talent on that team, they're going to be really tough to beat. And they've got, you know, a great home field advantage. I think that it's about time that Jimbo gets it together. If, you know, questions at quarterback at Alabama, questions at quarterback at Georgia. I mean, just in terms of we haven't really, you know, we don't know what JT Daniels ceiling is at this point in Alabama. You're hoping that Young is the next guy, but he hasn't proved it yet. It just kind of feels like a year where Texas A&M is going to make a run especially coming off of a really successful year last year, quietly. Yeah, and we've It's funny talked- you say that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's funny you say that, because I think that JT Daniels is the reason why I'm much higher oh, yeah. in Georgia than I think you guys. I think that he showed that he can kind of at least fulfill that Aaron Murray, uh, Jake Fromm role at yeah. the very least, which they've shown they can win with. Um, it's obviously going to be a lot tougher without Pickens, having, not having his number one option. But Karis Jackson made some huge plays last year, too. So if he can kind of expand and grow on that, um, he's an explosive target on the outside, and JT Daniels could have a huge year. Yeah, it came down to the quarterbacks, and um, I'm not sure they know how to evaluate and develop them at at Georgia. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, So, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo, he might be a little boring, a little meat and potatoes, but I think – 
I think you'll get it figured out at A&M. And I like their talent on offense just a little more, though I do think the high-end talent at Georgia is, um, you know, elevated for sure. Yeah. So it's it's a fun conversation. But yeah, in the end, I gave the Aggies the first at large, just slightly over Georgia. It's funny though that we all have these debates. I mean. And <laughs> who do you have? Uh, who do you have at five, Dre? Georgia. 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 Oh, that's right. You, you just said, literally just said that. So then, unfortunately, the the final four are going to be really boring. Like they're all uh, the same. And we kind of knew that was going to happen, though. Well, and I mean, don't blame us. This has <laughs> basically been the final four for. I mean, the entire what, playoff. What did I say? It was 20 of the 28 have been these four schools of the all-time yep. playoff spots. Yeah, though, I got to so, say, the only Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma have been the exact final four just twice in the playoff format. But how many times has it been three of those four? Uh, every year. Uh, every single year. <laughs> <laughs> so there Let we me go. just double check. It's like if Oklahoma oh, doesn't no. make it, we might get another Big Ten team in. So 16 is the year. 16 and 14, it didn't happen. Um, and of course, that that predates um, whatchamacallit at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. Yeah. yeah. So like kind of makes sense. But um and weren't those the years like 14 and 16? I I don't have that graphic still. Yeah, and up, I mean that's 16, Washington and Michigan State, right? Yeah, 16 is Washington and Penn State. Um 14 was the 14 Oregon is, and Florida State. That's <laughs> exactly. Right. That's right. Exactly. So I mean you have Oregon at the peak of its powers when Chip was there, right? Or that's the year post chip. That's the hell. Yeah, that's one year. Post yeah, that's the Mariota Heisman year. And then you've got Jimbo at Florida State. You mm-hmm. know, so like things have changed drastically. That was the fun playoff though. Fourteen was with Jameis and that offense, and it was a great way to kick it off. Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Shoot, we felt spoiled. So instead of going like you know dramatically here, since we know it's the top four teams, you want to just what are your one through four? Or do you still yeah. want to do it one by one? I think at least number one's an interesting conversation here. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think we can debate it. I'm massive on Clemson. I'll just tell you right now. I'm big on Clemson. Um, and Clemson, who I have a ton of prospects ranked highly, their top NFL prospect is their quarterback, who's not even draft eligible. Um I'm not going to get too repetitive on that, but you guys know how I feel about DJ Ugalele's uh, upside to the point mm-hmm. that I can eat, eat, kind of pronounce his name. Um, they also you had, said it right. They also had a stud defensive tackles, a true freshman. I mean, 2022, you might be talking about two like elite prospects, D-line, quarterback, same team. Um, they got a linebacker uh, that's really good. <sighs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about on the defensive tackle because I had it in my notes, but I ended up switching the best prospect to Ugalele because again, he's not he's not pro eligible, but he's just right. like 800 yards in those two games. The guy you're talking about, Dre, was the number one recruit last year, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah Bo something. Bo. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now, but yeah. I'll have him in a sec. But do we agree on Clemson number one? 
Yeah, I, I think so. Number one, yeah. And for the reasons you said, I think DJ is just, I think he, we're coming off of Trevor Lawrence being the best player in college football. And I think it's definitely in play that DJ is a top player in college football um, for the next two years, frankly. Does he yeah. win a Heisman off of the work that did Lawrence lay the, the groundwork so that Ugulele could eventually win a Heisman? We'll see, uh, man. But, you know, Heismans aren't really that political in that way. It's just more like catching fire and capturing true. national attention at the right time on the right team. Um, and and I avoiding the Joe Burrows and whoever just breaks out randomly. Right. You know, and, Devontae up. Yep. and, you know, like Burrow had a really tough schedule. So he had a lot of Heisman wins. In the ACC, it's tough when you're just blown wake out in Virginia and Vatek. Oh, everyone turned in for North Carolina and then tuned out after you were up 28 to 7 in in. the first quarter. Yeah. Um, So it's just hard to capture those actual Heisman moments. So I don't know. It'll be an interesting conversation. But are you with us, uh, Justin? Yeah, I've got Clemson as one. I I think that it'll it'll probably be Bama because they're the national champion, at least in the preseason poll. But when it's all said and done, I, I don't see a way in which Clemson is at number one next year. Is there uh, is there an argument at two though? Is there because I as much as I love Bama and I'm really high on them, I almost put Ohio State above them. I thought about it. I think just I have too much trust in Nick Saban, too much trust and faith in Nick Saban, and I really think Bryce Young has a chance to. I don't want to say like really good. light it up, but man, just the snaps and watching him throw yeah. the ball last year when he was in, he he just looks different. He's going to light it up. I'll say um, Man, like, and see, here's where I kind of hate the new format. Because if it was just a final four, these aren't the top four. Um, I think one of those at-large SEC teams where we were just debating A&M or the Dogs probably mm-hmm. sneaks in. Um, I think they get in over Oklahoma. It's and it's a yeah. weakened big four because none of these guys are returning a quarterback. Oklahoma is, but you know, Rattler had his moments and got benched himself. Um, so shoot, I don't know. I, I would go Bama just because they'll figure quarterback out, and the rest of that roster is just stupid stuff. Yeah, stupid stuff. And defense should be a lot better this year. Yeah. It, and basically the same thing could be said about Ohio State. I just sure. love their offense. I, I don't see how Ohio State doesn't score like 60 points a game, especially against, you know, the Maryland's and, you know, of the world. Yeah, I mean, bringing back those two receivers and Master Teague, I think you're totally. returning like the best three-headed monster at the skill positions in the country, essentially. And, and then if you're um, starting left tackle, one of the best there yeah. is. And Ryan Day's calling your plays or at least like, you know, scheming that offense. That's it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot to like. Yeah, The tight end came back too. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but he was a guy that was going to be top 50, top 75 pick last year if he declared potentially one of the best in the class and he's back. Depth that tight end is going to be fun to watch this year. And I mean, the lines are stacked again. You know, I think the, the DBs will have a bounce back. And then so we're all, oh, we're all Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Guess so. That's what I am. Yep. Well, that was anticlimactic. And Oklahoma, <laughs> I think, needs to, you know, 
You got to basically sneak out of the Big 12 with... You got to go undefeated if you want to be a top four team, I think. Do you, though? I think you're just competing against the Pac-12 winner and the AAC winner, right? That's the thing. Like, Could you you realistically put Cincy higher? Right. Well, that's the question. Yeah, would you put Cincy higher? If Cincy beats a Notre Dame, yeah. Well, if Cincy beats Notre Dame, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, they probably have some, like, if they're undefeated, that means beating Notre Dame. It probably means it's beating UCF, probably. Right. Who was almost certainly top 30 ranked. Memphis, same thing. Might be same thing with a Navy or a team like that. You know, you know a Navy or a Houston, you know, somebody else is going to come out of the AAC that'll at least, you know, be like an eight win team. I think it's also worth mentioning Oklahoma's schedule is really weak next year. I mean, out of conference, they play Tulane, Western Carolina, and Nebraska. Yikes. Gross. It's going to be fun watching Oklahoma Nebraska. It's going to be fun watching Oklahoma score 80 on them. Yeah, I mean, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Do they play the Cyclones? They do. Um, It looks like... Oklahoma is home for that game, and that is the second to last game of the season. Looks like right before Thanksgiving. When do they play K State? That's always their spoiler team for some reason. That is first game in October, October second. Yeah, and we'll see Sark in Texas. I mean, shoot! For all we know, the Big Twelve could a hundred percent pull a Pac twelve. Just cannibalize, just cannibalize itself. itself. Yeah. Three win team, and all of a sudden they're like the fifteenth seed, and like. Coastal made it in, or Liberty made it in over them, or something. Or we're just completely discounting Sarkeesian and the just insane amount of talent at Texas, and he finally gets that machine back totally. to rolling, and this team is just close to dominant again. I mean, shoot. I'll just believe it when I see it, though, man. Herman was supposedly <laughs> going to do that. the same thing, you know. I hear that. <laughs> it, you know, college football is like that, though. Like, look at Georgia, look at Florida, look at North Carolina. Yeah, just like, takes the right guy. Right, it takes one guy, and then the the flip just switch. Like it's overnight. He, he doesn't need to add talent. Pete Carroll at USC. Right, right. Um, to some and then the drop off as soon as he left. Like it, it comes and goes with one person. What's and, crazy is I would say we saw that with Harbaugh at Michigan. Mm-hmm. The the Probably. momentum just hasn't built on that, but it was that instant results. Like oh, Michigan sucked for six years, and now yeah. they're like top fifteen again. I mean, they were bad for so long. It, it All it really took was just someone that was a good ball coach to come in and really just stabilize that program. But you're right. Like, he really, I think he, t- especially his first couple of years, he really took advantage of the talent that um, all Brady Hoke and whoever was in before managed to bring in. So, totally. When he did the same thing at Stanford, you know, turn that bad yeah. boy around in 2007, gets the first win over USC forever, then leads them up with Andrew Luck. And then as soon as he leaves, not that, you know, Caldwell's done a bad job, but they're not, you know, not I'm a church. Sure. Yeah, I bet. Not, they're not doing a, you know, top 10 appearances right now. They've been pretty sure. meh. Yeah, good point. Yeah, they had a moment on their shot. Now that's gone. Um, well, guys, this Would was really fun. Caldwell? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully Hank's alive, man. He is, he is. He just texted me. Um, phone ran out of battery, so alarm didn't go. Ooh. Like, yeah, that sounds about right. But it's all right, though. It's June. Let's all get our rest when we need it. There's actually, yep. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. So, 
Shout out Self-care. to our guy, Big Hank. Shout out to you guys because I really enjoyed this. Um, it was fun. And you've got me excited, not just for next season, but like uh, <laughs> for, for like the long-term repercussions of changing this format. And frankly, I think it's unavoidable. I fought it for a It's while. coming. It's just, does it come through this year or next year is really what it's come down to at this point? Or it really seems that way, you know, barring a mm-hmm. major shift and yeah. the way the winds are blowing. After doing this, I don't want to drag on for another like 15, but just kind of quick vibes. After doing this exercise, do you actually like 12 over six or eight? Or do you think, what what's your magic number? Because I, with this show, have talked myself into 12. I actually I think, think it is 12 now. The, the open-endedness of only the top six conference winners, but there's no auto bids for all the Power 5 winners. I think it has a nice like little synergy where everyone around the country is competing against each other. And that's really what I care about is pull intrigue, everyone involved in everything, fans at LSU rooting against, you know, Utah in a Thanksgiving game. That's my shit. Um, And as long as I still get that, I'm happy. So I've talked myself into 12. Have you guys or is there a preferred, a, a better number in your mind? I just hearing the number 12, I was a bit hesitant, but yeah. after, you know, just learning about the format over the past week and then just going through this exercise, I really like it. Like you said, just because it does kind of give some separation for the conference championships, uh, winners and the at large bids, which I think is probably the biggest issue when it comes to this is how you actually rank them out and how the conference championship plays in. And this just seems like something that can really work. I think the problem with six or eight is you still have the same biases that are going to hurt the G5. And ultimately, perception is always going to play a factor into this. It's humans picking it, like we said. And, you know, biases are always going to be in it, especially when it's, you know, you're the SEC commissioner and you're on the playoff committee or something like that. You know, you're, you're going to tell me you're going to argue against your own schools. You're not. Like, it's it's just how it, it is what it is. There's no working around that. But I I like it. I think it gives, you know, if you're a top you know, 10 team, you've got a realistic shot to compete for the championship. Then plus, you know, two more 13 and 14, you're kind of, if you're griping about being left out, you know, realistically, I think we're saying like, you probably had an opportunity. You're probably like a three loss team. You know, I think it it, it includes enough teams to keep everybody excited, but you're not, you know, completely ruining your product. Like what good would it be to, you know, see Ohio state hang 80 on the number 16 Mm -hmm. team in the country or something like that? Like, what do we get out of that? Right. But I'm excited. You know, I'm a G5 guy through and through and a West Coast guy. As much as I love to mock the Pac-12, I think it's entertaining and I like watching it. So if it, it results in a Utah making the national championship or, you know, a, a Mountain West team sneaking in, I'm, I'm all for it. Love it. Um, we'll be following that all along. We'll be following college football and the NFL draft and this uh, very intriguing prospects the whole way with you thank you for tuning in for me and the rest of the crew this was the dnvr draft podcast presented by DraftKings. we will catch you next week